Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post. And busy podcast day today. I recorded a podcast with Brian Winhorst earlier for True Hoop about the Sam Hinkie situation. And then I recorded one with Ian Begley about the equally ridiculous Kurt Rambis situation in New York. And now I am recording a podcast again about Sam Hinkie with the smartest guy in the basketball media today, Seth Partnow. The managing editor of Nylon Calculus is that the correct uh, is that the correct title? Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, well, the the czar of Nylon Calculus, whatever the exact title is, and uh, until they bring in a chairman of Nylon Calculus, yes, there you go. There's a good Sam Hinkie reference in there. Um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Sam's resignation via 13 page uh, manifesto yesterday. Um, so, but I really just kind of want to let you, Seth, have a forum here to start with. Uh, I wrote a column about it. Um, it's it's out there on the internet. A lot of you listening have probably already read it. Um, but I, I kind of want to let you just kind of run with your thoughts on this, and then like we, I know we have a lot of things to discuss about it, so we'll go from there. Um, uh, where to start? Even first of all, um, I. I, I quite enjoyed the the as you called it manifesto. Um, he's he's. I think there's been a lot of uh, a lot of things said about it. Um, I thought it was considering to whom it was directed, and you know maybe you know better than me whether it was written with the intention that it would someday become public, or if that's just kind of a, a natural consequence. Um, but I don't know. But it kind of felt like it. I, you know, I felt like the references were very, uh, the citations, if you will, were very specific for the audience to whom he was writing. That um, I would agree with too. And and you know, may, maybe it's maybe it's my uh, my you know legal background, but it it you know read very much like like a uh, almost a a, a a legal brief in support of a of a motion, right? You know. Right. Um, and he kind of you, you he took the first you know two thirds to to kind of set out the law as it will set out his his uh, his philosophies and explain the underpinnings um, and that's kind of where the citation comes in because it's just like this isn't just me saying this this is me building on you know a millennium of in, of you know of of enlightened thought uh, and <laughs> right uh, and 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 rationalism. And, you know, going from there and then applying it to the situation. And, you know, as a historical, you know, an accurate retelling of history or anything like that, is it, it's not that, but as a, as a, a piece of, of kind of, uh, persuasive rhetoric, I found it, you know, quite interesting. just, just on that regard. And, you know, um, Unsurprisingly, considering that that you know, from a worldview standpoint, from an uh, approach to problems, um, you know, obviously, no surprise given that I you know r- run the nylon calculus, um, a lot of that philosophy very much resonated with me. Even if I would have maybe used different references, um, it's still the the under the underlying you know thought processes um, are certainly the ones that I would hope to employ. Uh, if I was ever in a similar situation. Yeah, and and I, I agree with that. And I, I think, uh, you know, you and I, I think, both come from a place where we tend to agree in, in theory with the approach that Sam took to the job. In that, 
he looked at a situation and said, this is the best long-term path for me to be able to win championships. And, and that was his overarching goal, to get superstar talent and to try to win a championship for Philadelphia. And I, I think, you know, I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, there's no question that Philadelphia is closer to that now than when he took over the job three years ago. But at the same time, the reason he doesn't have a job now, in my opinion, and I, I think you probably agree, is that he he went about the job with an arrogance, not that he's an arrogant person, but an arrogance that he didn't need to explain what he was doing and he didn't need to sell it to anybody. He thought that he had ownership support and that was all that mattered. And I think if if Sam could go back to the beginning and start over, I think if Sam went through this whole process and and that was an unintentional process reference. <laughs> if, he, if he went through the past three years and and really defended himself publicly the way he did in this manifesto or resignation letter or whatever you want to call it, I think that he would still have a job because, like, look, he's he was working in Philadelphia. This is the probably the only market in the nation that is dot that is the the news cycle there is led by talk radio. Maybe you could say that about Boston, but certainly in Philadelphia, the talk radio people are who drive all the conversation there, not the newspapers, not anybody else. And if you're in a market like that, and you are unwilling to talk to those people and kind of lay out what you're doing and why, they're going to do it for you. And when your team is 47 and 195, you know, there are going to be smart fans that can look at the long view and say the team is getting better. But in the short view, you're going to have people who are going on the radio or are going to be writing columns who are going to say, hey, this is ridiculous. Our team is a joke. When is this going to change? And and I, I really think that that is the biggest reason why Sam doesn't have a job today. So a, f- a few things to respond to there. The first thing is is um, something you said kind of at, at the start of uh, uh, was that you know the goal is winning a championship. Well, an interesting thing is you know people like to talk about, and I kind of. This uh, on the other end of the spectrum. I earlier in the week on Twitter kind of posed a hypothetical, trying to get at you know how much how much of uh, risking the title in in theory Golden State should be willing to put up with to go for seventy three wins. And the number of responses I got back saying, "Oh, the ring is the only thing. the 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 wins record doesn't matter." Uh, was was shocking and somewhat depressing to me. First of all, I don't believe. I don't believe people when they say yeah, that. Yeah, that's definitely but, not true. <laughs> but 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 second of all, uh, you know, all right. If the ring is the only thing that matters, well, this is the natural extension of that. Yep. If you're in a rebuilding spot, uh, that you do this because this is you know maybe not this exactly, but in broad terms, like instead of muddling, you 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 know you whatever out. analogy you want to you use, bottom, you bottom out. out, you bottom blow out. it up, you, yeah. You tear it down to the foundation, whatever analogy you want to use. This is what you do. 
And so if you think that it's championship or bust for a franchise, for players, for anything else, you have to be willing to sign up for this. Otherwise, and this is not, you know, it's no surprise that people hold kind of incoherent, mutually incoherent positions uh, quite frequently. But those are, that's, it's incoherent. Right. To, to, to believe one, but somehow say that this, that this, you know, I hope for the last time, capital P, I say this, capital P process was somehow illegitimate. It's the natural extension of your stated belief that it's championship or bust. Right. Within the current system. Right, totally, and, totally. Um, so uh, th- I will disagree. Uh, moving on from that, I sure. will disagree with you a little bit. I don't think the constituency that you know undid him, and this is something we've talked about before, and mm-hmm. I've kind of come around on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh, uh, I think the constituency that that did him in was not the the local Philadelphia media. I think it was the the constituency was kind of the um, you know, quote unquote, official NBA, which is kind of uh, um, you know the, the this amorphous group of kind of national media and power players and league officials and and people with other teams and owners and former owners and and kind of this this kind of group of you know in in I think in in politics terms we might call them very serious people, um, and and not not doing a better job or any sort of any sort of job convincing that group of people that this this is the best way to go and it'll all work out. Yeah. That I, was much more serious. I should I should that. clarify. I didn't just mean I didn't yeah. just mean the Philadelphia people. I yeah. I, I think I, I think ironically, you know, I Michael Evan, who's a, a very funny uh Sixers blogger, does a really good job. He kind of went crazy this morning after you I think you tweeted my column. Yeah. Uh, blaming the national media. I'm going to be honest. I, I really don't buy that the national media is the reason Sam doesn't have a job. I think the vast majority of people who cover the league on a national level either defended Sam openly or or at the very least like him a lot and didn't really criticize him. So I, I don't really think that part is true. But I, I think... I think you're right, I, and I should have I should have included this earlier. I think you are 100% right about the the official NBA and people within the league. There there is no question that Sam was not very well liked um, among the agent group, among some of the other owners, among some of his other colleagues. And from there's different reasons for all those things. From the agent side, it was because the Sixers had all this cap space and wouldn't spend it. So there's all this potential money that's sitting out there for guys to, to, to sign for that they can't get. From the ownership side, there was this team in a huge market in Philadelphia that's bringing in no revenue because the team isn't selling any tickets. The TV ratings are awful. No one's paying any attention to them. When that team comes to their city, no one wants to watch them play because they have nobody interesting to watch. So they have a hard time selling tickets to their games. There's all that stuff. And among his other his peers, the biggest issue was that he got this six-year contract to come in and be the GM and have kind of this carte blanche approach to just take as long as he wants to rebuild the team, or at least it seemed like that until about eight months ago. <laughs> um, so, you know, there, there were all these competing factors there that, that built into this. But my, my, my overarching point was that I think that if you're going to do what Sam wanted to do, 
and and really truly bottom out in a sport where you know I I I had a con- I had a long conversation with Sam in December and you know I, he as he always did with everybody he w- like he would he was very thoughtful and engaging and I I really enjoyed talking to him but I wasn't allowed to quote him about anything you know he just he didn't he didn't do that he talked about stuff off the record which you know is fine it's his prerogative um, but I brought up the Houston Astros in that conversation and. You look at where the Astros are now, and really that's what the Sixers tried to do in basketball. The big difference is the Astros in baseball were guaranteed to get the number one pick, and the Sixers were not. And if you're, if you're basing your formula on being really awful and then needing, to, needing some luck for it to work out, if that's the, if that's the scenario you're going to follow and you're going to go as far as he did, I think you have to try to sell what you're doing to people to, to try to build up a case for why it should you should be allowed to do it. You know, the, the, I agree with what he was doing, but you look at, like, what the Magic have done, right? What's the real difference? The only real difference is that Orlando didn't take it to the nth degree, right? They didn't trade away everybody on the roster. They didn't try to be the literal worst team in the league. They just were really bad and but because they didn't rock the boat they've kind of floated under the radar it probably also helps that they're in orlando and not philadelphia but they've just kind of floated under the radar meanwhile sam you know to his credit really bottomed out got a ton of assets but they're all future assets and in the meantime his team was unspeakably bad and then there just was this kind of vacuum around the team where there wasn't a there wasn't any voice out there kind of championing what he was doing and why it was going to work other than just it's going to work. And I, I really just think that in the long run, that that kind of led to a situation where when there were some issues that started to crop up earlier this season, the opening that his enemies wanted to have to kind of come in there and say, all right, you've got to stop doing this. This isn't working. They, they got the opening they needed and they took advantage of it. No, I, 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 I have a hard time disagreeing with any of that. I'm, I'm glad you actually brought up the, uh, the Astros because, um, you know, on the, the uh, GM's panel at, uh, at Sloan, um, I, I think I actually, I may have even tweeted this out or at least have, you know, nudged Andy Glockner, who was sitting next to me, and, and, and said, you know, Jeff, Jeff Luna was on that panel. And, yeah. and it's like, if, 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 like, and if, if, if they were selling it like this, it would have been no issues. Right. On the other on the other hand, that was the single most interesting piece of that thirteen page letter was I think it was two sentences talking about why they didn't, which I thought were you know if if uh, if you know it's a, in a zero. Uh, I'm paraphrasing completely, but it's a, a zero sum game. And if the other twenty nine teams wanted to think he was stupid uh, for or crazy for doing this, he wasn't going to disabuse him of that notion. Because that made made the job easier in many ways, and I, th- you know, that's there's a you know a certain logic to that, which at the same time is kind of ignoring kind of the realities that these that this sort of political stuff, while for someone with a uh, a quantitative background, might see that all, and you know this. Certainly, this this is a, a trap I fall into. I see a lot of that stuff as just BS, but it's at the same time it carries actual force because, like you said, it brings up a situation where people 
turn on you and are out to get you and now there's an opening and I'm in. And 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 that's kind of what happens. So it, even though it's stuff that it, it's stuff that doesn't matter until it does. And then when it does matter, it's catastrophic. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's that, that seems to be a, a little bit of the case here. You know oh. what it you know what it is, Seth? You don't give yourself any rope. Right? Like that's that's what it is. Like if you want to be if you want to take that approach and you want to say, "Look, I'm doing the right thing. I don't need to explain to you why I'm doing the right thing. It's going to work out." You know, if if that's the approach you want to take, that's fine, but it has to work out. You know, I, to me, I thought the most fascinating person and thing that he referenced in that whole thing was when he brought up Bill Belichick. And I, I wrote this in my column today. I really think there are a ton of similarities between those two guys, and which is weird to say for people who are going to know, what are you talking about? Bill Belichick's this football player and this football coach, and you know he's won all these championships. But people will forget that Bill Belichick had a pretty rocky tenure in Cleveland. He was an unpopular hire when the Patriots hired him, and he got the guy that has become one of the, you know, maybe the best quarterback of all time, or one of them, in Tom Brady, into the lineup because he drafted him in the sixth round. Complete luck there, getting that guy in the sixth round. And then having Drew Bledsoe get hurt on a fluke play in a game, like the second game of the season, to get Tom Brady on the field. You know, and if that doesn't happen, Tom Brady may never get a chance to play. And Bill Belichick's probably fired at the end of that season or maybe the next season. And then none of this happens. But because that worked out that way, Bill Belichick can be as big of a jerk as he wants to everyone publicly. And and, and Sam was not a jerk to people like Bill Belichick, just to be clear, uh, in a public setting. He just didn't want to talk publicly. But my, my, my point is that Bill Belichick doesn't ever has never bothered to explain why he's doing anything. But because of who he is and the fact that he's won so much, he can do whatever he wants. And Sam, you know, I think took a similar approach in that he thought that things were going to work out and that he would be vindicated by the by the results as the as they played out on the court. But because of this of some situations around the team, I think most notably what happened with Julio Okafor back in October you know, he didn't get the amount of time he needed to really put himself in a position to get those players and get the luck he needed at the top of the draft to to really be able to to have the kind of team that would vindicate what he was trying to do. Yeah, um, you know, people are talking about it didn't work, and I, you know, I I take strong issue with that for starters. I think that there are certainly you know, well, it's not over yet. I mean, yeah, that's the it's, thing. it's not over there. There's certainly like, you know, you can, you can pick and choose at, at, you know, aspects of it. I mean, I think that we've talked about this before. I've talked about this with everyone under the sun, I think is like not having, you know, uh, a, a competent NBA point guard at the start of the season when your most important players are, you know, however you want to, you know, are, 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 are two big guys. Well, and let's just think uh, about it this way, Seth, yeah. right? They desperately wanted D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. What if What if they have D'Angelo Russell instead of Julio for the season? Sam's probably still in charge. <laughs> like I mean, honestly, it's like if if he if he gets to the third pick in the draft, or the Sixers get the second pick in the draft, he would have been their pick. And you know what? 
The Sixers are probably, they probably have 20 wins. Maybe they have 18 wins. D'Angelo Russell's probably putting up pretty good numbers. Um, and and Sam Hickey's still got a job. Like, it's in that is that much, like, that much luck factors into some of this stuff. And and how much about the last month of the NBA would be different had that happened? Well, but, uh, well that's a whole other subject. But, yes, yeah. that would be different, too. Um, yeah. It's... But to say that, you know, I'm I'm struggling to come up with a, you know, it, you know, you back out the the you know the the lottery luck, uh, and I'm struggling to come up with a scenario where, you know, here and there there could be tweaks. You know, uh, maybe you know a Nerlens Noel is is slightly further along in his development as a player. Well, I'd say the first, I'd say yeah. I'd say the biggest tweak is that he kind of. He, he he put too much I think you'd agree with this. He put too much stock in in the fifteen roster spots. In that there was no reason the Sixers couldn't have a guy like Elton Brand in October. And uh, like the fact that they cut Gerald Wallace to sign Christian Wood to me kind of exemplifies that. You know, I know we've talked about this off the podcast before, but you know, you have Jaleel Okafor and Nerlens Noel, right? And you have even Joel Embiid. Like, your three most important pieces moving forward are all young big guys. Like, having a veteran big guy on the team to kind of show those guys the ropes, show them how to show up to work every day, to kind of how to get through the season, navigate some of the off-the-court stuff that happens. Like, that's something that matters. And, like, I... I, you know, I talked to Sam about this privately, and I, I, I respect where he was coming from, which is basically that, you know, I want to maximize every roster spot that I have. But I think, I think that was one exa- just one example, for me at least, of how he kind of took this a little too far in that you still need to kind of build up a culture around the team at some point. And if you're just, if you're just going for, I need the best player I can possibly get at each spot, I think you might be missing that a little bit. And I think the 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 criticism there is, I mean, the 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 culture thing is 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 what it is. Um, you know, I don't I don't know any of these these players as individuals or, or anything like that, so I don't I don't want to speak too much about that because I, at the at the same time, you know, having the right kind of older voice, more more experienced voice on the playing staff. You know, or a couple of them. I, I, it's it doesn't. It's not hard to see how that would have value. But that's 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 kind of ephemeral, and I kind of want to avoid sure a lot of, a lot of the the hand wavy stuff about about culture and because all that just that 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 tends to descend to just so BS pretty quick. Uh, no, you know, that's fair. But I I yeah. think that's one specific thing. Like yeah, the Sixers theory was that our assistant coaches are our vets. Yeah, and, I, and I just think that I, don't think I just don't right. I just don't think that works. I mean, to me, that I get what you're saying. I'm not trying to turn this into some kind of yeah. culture on the team thing. I just think that's that was just one example to me. Like sure. when you were saying about where I, where maybe there were some things that could have tweaked. I don't think that's a huge tweak. I just think if if you have say, like what the Timberwolves did, you know, maybe you don't need three of those guys, but if you have a you know if you have a young guard or if you have a veteran guard and a veteran big at the end of your bench. I don't think that's going to limit your possibilities of having the flexibility to go out and get talent. That's all. Yeah, and and so the the point I wanted I was going to make though is that it's it's sort of you know maximizing 
the roster spots versus maximizing the roster, and those two are often the same thing. Yes, that's but a very in, good in, point. In an extreme case like this, like yeah, all right, in a in a vacuum, like Christian Wood has more chance of being a, a contributing player. Uh, it's a small chance, but of right. course, any, any guy that's you know a, a late second round undrafted kind of guy is a very slim chance of of turning into anything you know right meaningful on a playoff playoff contention rotation level um but sure like you know Gerald Wallace has zero chance of being that and Christian Wood had some non-zero chance but is that you know if is putting Christian Wood in that spot does that uh, does that you know reduce the chances of of Jeremy Grant becoming yeah. that 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 player and I you know it's it, it's an impossible question to answer empirically right um but I I tend to think that you can only have you know if if you're you can only have so many people trying out at once right <laughs> there has to right be, there has to be someone some sort of something that you, some structure to which you're trying out to um and that's you know that's but that's like you said. That's that's those are minor quibbles about right. you know. All right, maybe maybe instead of being a you know, and I'm going to pull numbers completely out of thin air here. If Jeremy Grant has a maybe he has a seven percent chance of being a a playoff rotation player versus a five percent chance if you have you know if if you don't like go for the long ball on that that 14th and 15th roster spot. It's a it's a tiny difference um, that you know maybe that maybe ends up mattering probably doesn't but those are the kinds of small tweaks that would have you know helped you know the the end goal of the process and also serviced some of this other you know the other stuff that was en- ending up being the real problem rather than this quote working or not which you know in in big picture terms Find me a plausible scenario, given you know the the way the lottery balls bounced, where they are better off than they are now, going forward from summer of twenty thirteen. Right. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. Like we're we're like I I don't know if people tuned into this thinking there was going to be some kind of argument about whether this worked or not. Like we're not. We're both on the same side of it, really. Yeah. Um. You know, we both think it made sense. That that's just why. I, I, that's why I just never quite understood why he wasn't willing to just kind of say that publicly and just kind of like, you know, he goes on Zach's podcast this week, like the day before he gets let go. Like there was no reason he couldn't have been doing that two years ago. And I, I just think he would have, I just think it would have benefited him a lot if he could have just laid that out there. Cause look, you know, people want to say they want to go back to the Joel Embiid draft, right? Look, if, the, if, I mean, the, no. if, if they'd had if they'd had the first pick in the draft and taken Joel Embiid, I think that Sam Hinkie would deserve to be criticized for that because there were two guys at the top of that draft that looked like they had a very good chance to be star level players in Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker who were healthy, and then you had Joel Embiid who was not. So if they had the first pick and they took Joel Embiid, I think you could go. I think you could have at the time said that's pretty risky. There's two other guys who are ready to go right now. That would seem to make more sense. However, they had the third pick, not the first pick, not the second pick. Jabari Parker goes second. Andrew Wiggins goes first. Now you're the Sixers. You're on the clock. Here are your options. You can take Joel Embiid. You could take Dante Exum, who at the time had played against high schoolers in Australia. Nobody knew what that game was going to be. You could take Aaron Gordon, who played one year at 
uh, Arizona and couldn't shoot at all. You could take Marcus Smart, who was a good guard, but couldn't shoot at all. Um, you could take Julius Randle, who had played a few Hi. games at Kentucky and then got hurt, broke his foot. So it, it's not like there was another guy who looked like a surefire all-star at the top of that draft that you could say, yeah, they should have definitely taken this guy instead. And and so uh, to me, like, the, you know, yeah, he might he took a chance on Joel Embiid there, but, you know, what else is he going to do? Who there is he going to take? That's going to really that's going to change things for them. It, Joel Embiid was the the was at at the time. Like this is this is the part that's most dis, disheartening about all the discussion around this is like every, is the is the you know the perfect hindsight goggles and, and sure. really the imperfect hindsight goggles because people are, are being wrong even in using per, like you know two two extra years of, of information making their decision they're still getting it wrong right but like saying that you know from that that standpoint even if you know he's missing the whole year like and i haven't seen you know the medical records i don't know but joel Embiid, healthy joel Embiid, was the top prospect in that draft class by a giant margin like over over Andrew Wiggins, over Jabari Parker. Just enormous. Now, yes, so you, you factor in the fact that he's hurt and he might take a while and, you know, big guy, bad feet, scary. Um that those are risks, sure. Also, but, I also had back issues too. Yeah. Like there were yeah. there were significant injury issues there. Yes. For sure. But at the same time, like, you know, Well, that's He's why, not, and that's why, that's why I say, like, he. I had him as the. I thought he was the best player in that draft before yeah. before the injury stuff. Oh that, it, no, it wasn't. It wasn't close. Sure, no, I, I'm agreeing with you, but yeah. I'm saying, like, I, that was my only thing was when the injuries cropped up. I thought, I thought him going behind Jabari Parker made sense, and going behind yes. Andrew Wiggins made sense. You can't make that argument to me about any of those other guys because there was risk with all. There was way more risk with all those other guys in the first two, and there was not the same level of ceiling with any of them for me. I, 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 I perhaps love the potential of Aaron Gordon more than anybody else uh, possible. And there's no way that I would have considered even knowing what I know now about Aaron Gordon. Well, Aaron Gordon spent the first year of his career with a foot that he had surgery on twice. You know, I mean, yeah. he ended up. I mean, I hope he doesn't have another issue with it again. But who's to say he doesn't break it again next season? Like, I mean, you know, I, that that's the stuff. And you know what? It's funny um, to to go back to to my earlier point. You know, Tom Ziller, I thought had a great line where he he said in his piece today that Sam Hickey is whatever you want him to be, and <laughs> and and that and that to me is where is that's kind of the the ethos of what I wrote today and how I feel about this whole thing which is that because Sam didn't bother to define himself publicly, you kind, it kind of turned into a situation where everyone decided to define them how they wanted to. And if you, if you understand, if you believe in what he's doing and think empirically it makes sense, then you're going to be, you're going to be someone who sides with him. Like, for instance, Michael Levin from Liberty Ballers is clearly, you know, really pro what he was doing um if you're somebody who decided that he's ruining the game by having these teams that have no chance to compete and you know whatever 
if you want to be on that side of the argument, you can find plenty of reasons to be on that side of the argument. There wasn't ever any anything for him that was like, okay, this is definitively where I stand on stuff. And instead it just turned into this kind of open season for everyone to decide what they wanted him to be. And he's become sort of the 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 embodiment and avatar of so many. And that's, you know, for better or worse, and for, it's much for worse. Right. Just just become it, like the the vessel for all these other kind of, you know, this this traditionalist versus sure. you know modernist kind of kind of stuff. And and um, I obviously come down very strongly <laughs> on one side of that. Well, yeah, so he's he's not a former NBA player. He doesn't look like one. Uh, you know, he, he, and that was, that was why, you know, we talked back in December. I, I, I remember I was on the train and, and we, or after Colangelo came in, we had a long conversation about this and like, this was happening from that day forward. It was just oh, yeah. a matter of when it was happening. That's not a knock on Jerry Colangelo. He's had a great career as an executive. Like that's, but, but he and he and Sam Hinkie were never going to be on the same page. It just was impossible. Because they came from just totally different sectors. And frankly, that was why Jerry Colangelo got brought in and given the ridiculous title of chairman of basketball operations, as you alluded to at the beginning, just to make sure that it was above Sam Hinkie because they had decided that the Sam Hinkie approach had got, gotten too uh, costly for them from a political standpoint. And so they, they punted and they went to Colangelo. And the ironic thing about it is I'm... I'm convinced they're going to win the lottery. I'm almost as convinced they're going to end up with the fourth pick. And then they might sign somebody for agency. They can make the playoffs next year or win 35 games next year. You know, I mean, if you put Ben, Sing- ben Simmons and Chris Dunn on that team and you sign somebody and Joel Embiid is healthy, like, yeah, there's some ifs there, obviously, but it, you don't have to extrapolate that far out to see this team being way better six months from now. And then... You're going to have this stampede of people saying, oh, look how great the Sixers are. Oh, how, how They just had to get rid of Sam Hinkie to get there. And they're going to just totally miss the rest of it. I'm, I'm almost throwing my microphone. I'm pre- so preemptively angry at, the, at that reaction you're, you're talking <laughs> but about. But you know, it's true. Like it's, uh, that's, no, I, that's no, you're absolutely it's right. And it's, it's ridiculous. It's totally it's, ridiculous. Yeah. It's you know it's 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 in fantasy football the you know you have the you have the running back who isn't the goal line back and the guy comes in and steals your touchdown. Yeah, that's it's exactly what, that's exactly what it is. And look, like like I, I think I texted with you about this yesterday. I think Brian Colangelo's fine. I, he's not R.C. Buford, but he he's a fine executive. He did. I thought he I thought he did an okay job with the Raptors. Let me let me back up here. Is sure. there? Um, this and this is this is kind of a, a thing that's it's sticking in my craw a little sure. bit because sure. it, it's is there so all right take Jerry Colangelo out of this yes is there any way any universe in which all right we're moving on because you know for reasons we've talked about it's defensible from you know and in they, they from the ownership standpoint it got to be an un- untenable position like right. accepting that as fact right. which i think that's that's certainly a reasonable interpretation is there any way that in a kind of an uh, a neutral search that Brian Colangelo ends is is in the building the day after Sam Hinkie leaves and that's it's like no. there's there's no plausible way that you can you can argue that this is the 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 
best selection. But that, that but listen, know, aside but, from aside from his, you know, uh, from from his track record, just the 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 lowercase since I'm not using uppercase, right? The lowercase process of this move is just so just. Well, it's gross. it's clear what it's clear what was going to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, look. Jerry Colangelo said to me and Keith Pompey at the All-Star game, yeah, we're bringing in another executive. And I talked to Keith about this on the podcast, but I, that day I turned away, we turned away, and I said, that's it. Sam Hinkie is gone. Like, I thought he was gone in December. He was 100% gone then because they were going to hire Danny Ferry or they were going to hire Brian Colangelo. I heard those names going all the way back to December, linked to that job. Um, and that was it was there was going to be one of those guys, and they were going to be there, and that was that was the way it was going to be. I mean, look, obviously you are correct in that if you do a wider search, you can probably come up with a better name than Brian Colangelo. But at the same time, that's how these jobs work. They uh, normal the Nets searching for a month for a GM during the season was incredibly odd. The vast majority of the time. When you make a move at a time like this. And look, Sam quit because he wasn't going to work under somebody. I don't think it has anything to do with Brian Colangelo. I, I think he just wasn't going to work under anybody, which I totally understand. If I was him, I, mean, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't I wouldn't have signed up for that. I think it has a little to do with, with Brian Colangelo, only if that if they're trying to... If I mean, look, trying, if, 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 they're they trying, had, if they had hired Danny Ferry, would this be any different? Probably no, not. It but wouldn't if be any to, different. It wouldn't be any different. If you're trying to sell it to it, somehow, if you're selling it, you're going to be you're going to be kind of on equal level here. It's like, but that wasn't right. it, it's, that wasn't going to be the case, though. I, I mean, that's being that's been that's been pushed some places. I know, now. but like, it, look, it, but he was going to be like, hey, Sam, you can be in charge of the stats department. But, you know, like he, that wasn't going to fly. No. He wasn't doing that. I mean, look, the Sixers went the Sixers went out of their way to hire Jerry Colangelo and make up a title literally no one in basketball's ever had. <laughs> to make sure they had a guy above him. Like, he already had dropped down a level, and I think if they'd had left it exactly this way, he would have stayed. But when they said, all right, we're bringing in another guy, and you can drop yeah. down again, I mean, he wasn't going to have that. No. It's, and, uh, and he shouldn't have that. That's fine. Like, I wouldn't do that if I was him either. I would say, forget this. I'm just going to leave. There, there's a you know, there's a term in employment law called constructive discharge. It's where <laughs> it, they don't they don't actually fire you; they just make the job so bad that you have to quit. Right. And you know, I'm not I'm not saying that you know. Well, that's there's what any, they did. Like, I mean, yeah. they, that's that's what they did. They put him in a situation. They basically said, they basically said, "All right, Sam, if you want to keep getting paid, you could go over there and run the stats department. If you don't want to keep getting paid, you can resign." I mean, they didn't say that to him. You know, they said, hey, Sam, we're going to bring in Brian. You're going to do this. He's going to do that. But if you're Sam Pinky and you hear that, just like any normal person, <laughs> you're hearing, all right, I'm going to either get keep getting paid to, like, not actually do anything or I'm going to leave. And that, that's it. Oh, my response would be far shorter and less eloquent than a 13-page <laughs> letter. Right. Um, right. I, uh, yeah. And but to get back to to the point though, this is the part that, and again, this is me doing the uh, the embodying thing, but I'm doing it, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> when, when everyone else do it, it's t- does it is terrible, but it's me, so I can do it. Uh, is that the, just the 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 you know, if if 
the embodiment of kind of 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 all right the the way it's always been done was great for what we knew then but we've moved on and we're doing some new things now and but then like it, it just trying to it's like you know a a dog running around reaching the end of a long chain right and just like sprinting to the end and just like flying bang bang back you know out of a, a like a like a looney tunes comic or something like that <laughs> just snapping back right. the other direction right. uh, to a ridiculous degree right and uh, to like the the uber tra- traditional kind of uh you know button down you know old school blah 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 and that's you know again Given how I'm approaching this, this is not the, the it's it's not my people, right? <laughs> right. So I'm I'm I, well. And that's uh, the only the only level that upsets. It right. Upsets. Well, and the only reason I brought up I I only stopped you on the Colangelo thing is I I think people are getting too caught up in that. Um, not that, not that, not that what you said about it was wrong, but I I just think that if you're saying that the reason Sam Hickey quit was, be, and I know you weren't saying this, but like. If, if people think the reason he quit was he doesn't have any respect for Brian Colangelo and that he thinks he's a terrible GM and that's why he's quitting the job, like that's not what it is. I think it, I think I think they could have brought in anybody you want to name as the GM and he just wasn't going to stay there as a demoted guy over in the corner because it it just if you're him why would you? I I, I wouldn't do it either. It didn't matter. It wouldn't matter to me who they brought in. Clearly, you don't turn around and write a 13-page resignation letter explaining everything you did if you think that what you're doing is wrong. So you're not going to allow somebody to come in and then be like, well, yeah, I'm going to stay over here. I mean, look, in in an ironic twist, this is kind of exactly what happened to Brian Colangelo. I mean, he's in in Toronto. They bring in Masai Ujiri, and Colangelo is told, like, yeah, you can do this stuff over here. And he was there for like three weeks and he left because it's just a it's just a spot no one wants to be in. Um, but that that I wasn't that that was my only thing is I, I just think that people uh, I think people are missing the broader point if they think that it's just about Colangelo specifically or some kind of nepotism thing or, or whatever they think the the issue might be. I think it's a lot more than that. No, I'm I'm reacting more to your that's how that's how thing that's how these things are done, which I which. I, um, which, which you're correct. And, and I don't like that you're correct. <laughs> not, not, not that I, not that I, not that I don't like you being correct. I just don't like, like that, that, that being the status quo is, yeah. is, is you know, again, it's, if, if you, you would, if you want to see, you know, innovation and experimentation and, and, and finding out what really works rather than, then, and that's, again, I've, my approach to the game from the from the is removing as many of these kind of 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 uh handed down wisdom biases or you know or keeping them if you can if you can demonstrate that they're that they're useful but not not giving you know deference to them just because that's the way it's always been done and you know the fact that this is this is a new thing that was interesting and um in many ways was very successful and you know i don't want to put percentages on it but could prove in you know three years to have been Look, the you sixers know. are gonna end up being a playoff team because of this now maybe they won't win a championship because of this 
but they're going to end up being a pretty good team unless they, they just have won't. catastrophically bad luck. They, they probably won't win a championship. You know why? Because right, every one, team probably right, won't win a championship. Because there's a 3% chance you're going to win the championship every year just by the numbers. Yeah. And, and those chances are smaller when you don't have Steph Curry or LeBron on your team. I mean, right. You know, I mean, that's just that like that's just the way it is. The the thing about the Colangelo, this is a very different topic, but the thing about Colangelo being brought yes, get in. Get us off this topic, well, please, quickly, before yeah, I say something terrible. The thing, <laughs> the thing about the uh, the thing about the I mean, you mentioned about Colangelo coming in the next day. I, I do think that there needs to be a discussion about some kind of a Rooney rule in the NBA um, because it, it just like. For instance, if Ernie Grunfeld gets let go in uh, in Washington, which I don't think he's going to now, my colleague Corey Castillo reported earlier this week that he um, he's got another year in his contract. It sounds like going to be back, but let's just as a hypothetical say, let's say Ernie Grunfeld got let go. Um, there's no reason why the, the Wizards shouldn't hire Troy Weaver, right? Troy Weaver uh, has been the assistant GM for the Thunder for years. He's done a terrific job. Um, Hired, uh, you know, was was his, a lot of people have given him credit for the reason they drafted Russell Westbrook. Um, like, here's a, a smart African American guy in his 40s from D.C. Like, why shouldn't they hire him? Frankly, why hasn't some team hired him already? I think I think that you know I think Rob Hennigan was a Thunder assistant GM I think, and he went and got hired by another team, and like the Thunder keep winning, and he was part of that, and he hasn't gotten. I mean, he's gotten some interviews I think, but he hasn't really gotten a job and it doesn't really make a lot of sense why and you know I, I think if you look around the league now there's not very many african-american general managers anymore i mean now that billy king got let go i think if you look at like top decision makers with teams i want to say that you know maybe it's like doc and del demps and uh, a couple other guys but, but the uh, Masai and Rich Cho I Masai think and, that's right and Rich Cho I think it, there's somebody else we're forgetting I know I think it's five or six total um, but the list is short and it, I, I do think that that's something that the league would would be wise to consider yeah um, there I, hmm, I this is this is a, a big topic that um, I have thoughts on that aren't organized right now, so I'd, I'd kind yeah, of. No, I, the, I the one thing I will say is that that um, uh, this is something that that, that that has come up recently. There were there was a a, a couple of of uh, articles written about it recently, and I forget. I think it was Vince Vin, Goodwill. Vinnie Goodwill wrote about it. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the one. I wrote wrote a, wrote a really really a good, a good piece about it, and the uh, the one thing I will say is that. Um, as as someone who uh, is stands to benefit from front offices turning to uh, a more analytical bent, that th- that if that's being used as um, kind of a reason why these kind of promotions aren't happening, that's disquieting to me. Yes, um, and uh, for uh, first of all, just like you know, having recently been to the Sloan conference. Um, it's, it's, it's inescapable how white guy, um, the, 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 you know, the, the panelists, the attendees, the, at, at, like, so that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a, a real concern. Um, and just, and this is something I've, 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 uh, floated to some people privately and might as well talk, say it, say it now is that, you know, um, 
uh, Mark Tatum has talked about, uh, you know, the, the kind of the, the, uh, the NBA having a, a front office internship program for, for former players and such. And, the, and if this is something, uh, an area that, that is, is going to be important, and I think it is important and should be important for kind of running a, a, a modern front office is, is being conversant and um, uh, agile with, with taking on kind of information from new sources, whether it's, you know, biometric data or, you know, on floor analysis or stuff like that. Right. If that's something that's going to be important, then, then this, that has to be something that is included in, in, uh, I guess the, say the curriculum of, of that program. Sure. And so, and, and, uh, because honestly, a lot of this stuff, it's, you know, we put fancy names on a lot of stuff, but it's, it's much of it isn't at, at a, a, top level not necessarily producing the analysis but understanding what the it's analysis all, says. that's the it's not it's not i mean we did a whole podcast on this a, yeah. a while ago i mean look if you talk to nba players they might not know the the names of the the charts you're using on nylon calculus but they're really smart basketball people yeah there's a reason they're in the nba even guys you don't think know anything about basketball who play in the nba know a ton about basketball and if you say to them, hey, look, if you do the X, Y, and Z, we're going to do better, they're going to be receptive to that. And they are receptive to that now. It's just, it's just become this, you know, and like I said, we, we went into this in detail the last time, but the, the, the whole, you know, and I guess it even kind of relates back to the Sam Hankey stuff, right? The, the, just kind of the general labeling of things as being foreign or, uh, you know, this is some weird smart guy thing that isn't really about what basketball should be, all that kind of nonsense. It just isn't based if, in any kind of reality. Being smart about it is, is somehow a knock. Right, that's, that, the, that's a bad thing. That's the worst kind of, like, <laughs> jockocracy. Right. You know, yeah. Right, that being smart is bad. Right. Right. Because that, that, that's really the case in really any walk of life, that being smart is bad. And, I, and to be fair, I don't think... I don't think there's many people within the league that actually think that way. I think it's more of a, I don't know, like a talking point for people outside. Like, I, I, I think within the league, you know, more and more it's just kind of become this is just what it, this is how things are now. And, you know, you talk about points per possession with people and, like, stuff that even when I started covering the NBA four years ago was a foreign concept to most people. Now it's just kind of, part of the discussion on a daily basis um, yeah so I, I you know I, but I and I wasn't trying to insinuate by the way that uh anything about you know that people are people shouldn't be hiring analytic you know people and it not even to use that word that people shouldn't be hiring people with a statistical background or anything like that it's just that no. um you know it, it would be it it obviously I think would be better for the league if it was more diverse at the top i mean you know you see plenty of minority coaches but um you know at the front of front office level you know and to your point you know if 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 you know i didn't actually know that that mark had talked about that mark tatum the deputy commissioner of the nba um you know if that if that is something that he's talked about then it it would that that certainly i agree with you a thousand percent that if you're going to do that that's the kind of stuff that has to be part of the part of the um part of that internship if you're going to do it Yes, yeah, so, I mean, if basically, if this is a barrier, we need to remove this barrier. Right, exactly. And that's and that's and I don't and and the thing is is, um, it's not it's not it's not mystical stuff. It's you can on you can you can reach a a conversant level with it, uh, pretty easy. 
Yeah, and it's probably fair too, right, that uh, you would think that in over the next 10 years, as players retire, there's going to be a lot less you're going to have to show people, right? Because the guys who are our age now, as they come up, which is kind of a scary thought that they get towards retirement, but <laughs> as as they get, but as they get towards retirement, there's there's still a couple older play, players in the league who are older than me. Still, like I think I think actually literally a couple. Well, there's, um, there's I have a few more than that. Uh, I'm 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 six weeks younger than or six weeks older than LeBron. So like I'm right in that group, but. Is that as as like that generation of the league starts to phase out and and move towards the ownership side, uh, or the executive side? I, I think that a lot of these issues will kind of resolve themselves because, you know, to your point, these guys will have been around this for ten, twelve, or more years at that point, and it won't they won't have to be, you know, there won't have to be any kind of a an acclimation to this stuff because you know, like you've got LeBron James who's going around saying how important it is for him to be efficient four years ago you know and i think i think that's kind of just kind of the mentality but we've we've gotten away from what we started with so i think we've been doing this long enough it's a good time to wrap up uh, <laughs> good i managed to dodge that last question <laughs> yes you did um uh seth uh thank you i i i wanted to talk to you about this because i i thought I, I think it merits a discussion uh that that goes beyond just people yelling about uh words you know, slogans and catchphrases about uh, about this stuff. So I'm glad you glad you made some time to do it. Uh, before you go, though, can you plug uh, plug yourself on Twitter and uh, wherever else you're at? And I'm sure you've written interesting things lately because you're always writing interesting things. So give uh, give the people some stuff to read too. <laughs> um, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at Seth Part now. Uh, read me at, at Nylon Calculus. Um, I uh, write occasionally for Neil Greenberg at the Fancy Stats blog at the Post That's and on right. Sports. That's right. Uh, and um, uh, just recently this week, I've been writing a little bit about uh, two things. I've actually been working about one. One is uh, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about is I've, uh, based on kind of uh, a couple weeks ago, Sue Bird wrote an article about how the lack of kind of data analysis of the women's game has kind of affected things. And, and so I've kind of, uh, we at Nylon Calculus have started to, to get into that a little bit more or a lot more. Nice. And so I've been, uh, been, been working on some of that stuff and, and have more coming in the future. Um, which I, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because it's stuff that no one has really looked into before because it just, you know, no one has actually bothered to assemble the data. Yeah. Um, and the, but, uh, this week I've been writing uh, something slightly wonkier, just looking at you know uh, at, at uh, offensive rebounding and transition defense. It's kind of a, a, a an interesting kind of topic heading into the playoffs with you know uh, how you stop a team like Golden State from getting out on the break, or if if you know San Antonio what they're giving up by you know trying to win by going to the offensive boards and stuff like that. So I've written a couple pieces this week on that, um, but that's. That all pales in comparison to to this news of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would say so. Um, I, I'm looking forward to reading that. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading that piece, especially since I'm about to watch the Warriors and Spurs play in a few hours. That'll be uh, there we go. That'll be uh, that'll be very informative reading going into the playoffs. Uh, you can find me at Tim Bontemps on Twitter uh, or at Tim Bontemps NBA on Facebook. You can find my work at the Washington Post. Uh, thanks to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Uh, please give it. Uh, please give the podcast a, a five-star review and rating on iTunes. That'd be great. Um, 
Otherwise, uh, I'll be back, I think, again tomorrow with a solo podcast answering a bunch of questions, uh, assuming I'm not up too late writing about the uh, the game tonight. But, um, but Seth, thanks again for the time. This was fun, as always, and uh, we'll talk to you all again soon.